What up all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 251 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Brooke Baum from trailingaway.com. She's also the author of Home Flexible and Moving Away. Home Flexible is based on how her and her husband spent three years traveling and utilizing the resource Trusted House Sitters, where they move around the world just house-sitting people's homes and taking care of their pets if needed. It's a really cool story because, again, she was in the corporate world, as was her husband. They didn't like it. They wanted more flexibility in their life. They wanted to see the world, travel more, and they just cut the cord and did it. And after three years, they accumulated a lot of knowledge, and she shares that with you on her blog, trailingaway.com. So this episode, for anybody listening who wants that lifestyle, I think will be amazing because as you heard in episode 248, Steve-O and Jen have been doing that as well for the last 18 months, living rent-free, traveling all over Europe, Asia, just house-sitting, taking care of people's pets. So if you're somebody who has a remote job or is capable of picking up some freelance work, this is a really cool option for you to get to see the world and do it in a very inexpensive way. So I just want to thank you for being here with me today. I really appreciate you joining me and Brooke in this episode. If you're a first-time listener, please hit that subscribe button. And if you like Misfits and Rejects and you want to contribute a little bit more, you can do that via Patreon. You can head over to patreon.com backslash misfits and rejects and give a monthly donation all is appreciated nothing is expected in fact if you just wanted to make one quick donation you could just sign up make that donation and then cancel your account that helps as well the other way to do it would be going over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop and picking up a misfits and rejects t-shirt with the holidays coming up it might be a rad gift for somebody you know and love and i just want to thank you for considering those two options in supporting misfits and rejects and me as I continue to try to bring these hopefully inspirational episodes to you that help you take that next step into designing the life that you want. So with that said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Brooke Baum from trailingaway.com. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and... Too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I'm joined by Brooke Baum from trailingaway.com. Brooke, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's nice. Yeah, thank you for reaching. How'd you find Misfits and Rejects? Uh, yeah, I was just, you know, doing some research, looking up who was talking about some of the topics that I'm also interested in, you know, wanting to share some of the insights that I've found along the way and, and came across yours and felt like it was a great fit. Yeah, it's awesome. We're happy to have you in here all about your uh, pet sitting experience and how you kind of became an expert in the subject matter. Like I had Jen and Steve on for episode 248. They've been at it now. 18 months or so getting good at it, obviously enjoying the lifestyle as you did. Um, you did it for like three years. Before we get into it though, do you mind um, telling us a little bit about you, your husband, where you're at right now? Yeah. So um, myself and my husband, his name's Buddy, we're actually in Hawaii right now. So we pet sat full time for over three years. And then um, our last year actually ended up being in New Zealand 
for, um, we were only supposed to be there for a couple of months and we ended up staying all of 2020 because of the pandemic. So after that, we just decided, okay, we kind of need a break. We spent too much money on our credit cards trying to scramble to figure out life around that time, which I know a lot of other um, nomads specifically ended up doing and, and a lot of other people in the world. But um, yeah, so then we decided Hawaii was always just felt like a good home base for us. So we decided to come back and find a place here and and wait out, you know, getting back on track. And then we do hope to, to get back to traveling at least very close to full time, if not full time um, within the next year or so. Okay. So that still is the goal to get back out there and do more full time digital nomad life. Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about it a lot lately. And I think, you know, I'm sure I've, I've heard some of your other people on that everybody kind of just doesn't really know what they're doing at the beginning you make I don't want to say mistakes because it's still a good learning experience but I just feel like we could go back out this time and really do things the way that would be more sustainable and and more you know stress-free and (laughs) make some better financial decisions and just even with the pet sitting you know there's ways to do it where you know you're really consistently getting pet sits and you're not having to scramble to find in between things as much Um, and we've figured that out kind of towards the end and we'd like to use that information a little bit more for our benefit going back into it. What uh, did you both do prior to making this kind of big change and hit the road like job wise? Yeah. So he was in corporate America doing, you know, typical 80 hour work weeks, being miserable. And, you know, I just one day was like, why are, why are you doing this? Like I worked at a, you know, basic nine to five job too, but I wasn't working quite as hard as he was, but I didn't love my job either. Um, and We've never wanted to have kids. We've never really wanted a lot of, you know, wealth status type things. And I was just like, what's what's the point? <laughs> who, who are we doing this for? So we just pulled the plug on it and um, sold everything. We were living in Colorado at the time, which we loved, but, you know, we just were ready for a change. So we lived in a motor home for a year, which wasn't the best fit for us. We had never really lived in one or even camped. Um, and it was just a lot of uncertainty all the time with that just constantly you know where are we going to sleep tomorrow and just trying to build freelance businesses on the road doing all of that was just a lot because we were also trying to learn how to take care of this giant (laughs) rolling home that we had gotten ourselves into so that ended up not being the best fit so when we sold that that's when I just was scrolling on I think it was Facebook one day and I saw this blog about this couple that was pet sitting and I'd never heard of it before so I just you know, went down that rabbit hole and was like, you know, sure, let's try this for a little while and see how it goes. And then um, that just turned out to be the ideal fit for the kind of nomad lifestyle we had been looking for that we didn't find in the RV. That's really interesting. The uh, freelancing caught my attention. So you quit your jobs without really having a game plan of how you're going to make money? Oh, yeah, no plan. We had, I think, $30,000 in the bank. He had a good job. So we financed the RV with that before he quit. And we just like, we're like, sure, we'll find, we'll find work on the road. Everyone's doing it right. Like, this is this is fine. And it was, it was not the best way of doing it. We definitely put a lot more stress on ourselves than we could have if we would have just waited, you know, maybe another six months. But I, I don't know. I've talked to other people. Once you kind of get it, the bug, it's so hard to be patient and just wait. So we just said, okay, let's just do it. We'll figure it out on the way. And we did. It wasn't always, we were very, very, you know, cheap and broke at first. Um, but things came together because I don't know. I think sometimes when your back's against the wall, it, it does come together more, but it's not something I'd recommend for someone because you really have to, to hustle there and, and just pray for the best. And it doesn't always work out. So. 
Oh, I know. I can relate. I've done that many times and never been as successful as you. What kind of jobs were you looking for when you're doing the freelance search? So I was an editorial assistant for just like an online and print business magazine before I left. So that's just, you know, I've been in that field for just a few years and I liked it. So I was like, okay, I could editing, writing, I can do that on the road. I have that experience, but finding like you can find it, but finding people that would pay well um, was really difficult, but I actually really lucked out. And um, a big thing that I've just always thought was important because, you know, after we moved to Colorado, I got into different communities and volunteered and I just realized how valuable that was to just make those connections and feel embedded in your community. So when we decided to RV, my first thing I did was like, okay, what, what meetups, what things can we go to, to get embedded with the RVing community? And one of the places we went to, I actually ended up connecting with the manufacturer of the RV we had at this time, Winnebago, and they needed help. Um, They needed writers for their blog. So I started with writing and then the current editor didn't have an assistant. So I just brought up one day like, hey, it seems like you have a lot of work. You know, do you need help? And he was like, oh my gosh, yes, I'd love help. So I just started helping him. And then um, he was a freelancer too, who was running it. And he ended up just wanting to fully retire after about a year. And I was the logical person. So it was really strange. I went from being an editorial assistant where it probably would have taken me, I don't know, at least four years to move up to a full editor status in that role, I felt like. And then it just was kind of handed to me one day when when he left. They were like, oh, do you want to be the editor of the whole blog? I'm like, okay, sure. That sounds like a great way to to pay my bills while I'm trying to figure this out. And they're, they've always, I still work for them. They've always been really cool about, you know, as long as I get my stuff done, they don't really care where I'm doing it from. So it's worked out really well. It sounds that way. And how to work out for your husband. Yeah. So he took a five-year sabbatical. He didn't have as much luck and he tried to do a few different things. He, he really helped me with um, a lot of my stuff. And, you know, just if I got, you know, bogged down with my tasks, he would take that on or he, so he was a, he's a business analyst. That's what he's doing again now. Um, so it was just, he's not as much of, someone that wants to go out and like pull in the clients and stuff himself. Like he's great at doing the work, but that's just not his skill set um, to, to do that kind of self-marketing. So he struggled when we were on the road to find something. So eventually after, after we got rid of the RV and that big payment was just gone and we didn't have to worry about it. We just decided his main focus would be taking care of the pets and like doing the stuff around the house that we needed to. And I would focus on my online work. And obviously like, you know, I helped some too, like I wouldn't send him off on all the walks by himself, but it was helpful that that could be his main focus. And, you know, he worked really hard when he was in corporate America. So I'm like, listen, dude, just, just take a break. Like, you know, I was only, working part-time. I didn't work full-time. Um, I've never worked completely full-time with them. So it's always been, I don't know, 15 to 20 hours a week. So we had still had plenty of time to go do stuff together and it, it worked out really well. And I just think it's cool that he was able to just, everyone was like, you'll never be able to get a good job again if you take that kind of time off. And, you know, his field's in demand and he was able to just, you know, took a little bit of, you know, courage to just dive back in but once he got there he um he's been able to find good positions and stuff again so it's just funny how i think it does work out in a less scary way than people make it sound but it's all it's all risks it doesn't work out for everybody so totally now can he work remotely or does he have to be stationary for his type of work he works he works from home um but it's for a hawaii company right now so um so yeah we'll we're not really sure where it'll go but we think that you know obviously if we want to go Right now, we're just trying to do 
pet sits locally. We actually started a just side pet sitting business since we have that um, experience. But um, we're hoping to just go to some other islands and kind of stay in like the close time zones for the next year or so and then just kind of see how it goes um, from there. But he can definitely um, there's companies, you know, where he could work remotely with his skill set, especially now that he's back into the this field and can. Um, you know, do more networking and stuff. It's just, it is, I mean, I'm sure, you know, it's always really hard to do stuff while you're moving, like getting some kind of new venture going or applying to jobs or anything like that is just a struggle when you don't really know where you're going to be in two weeks. So it's been easier to get those things on track while we're stationary. Yeah, I was going to ask, so with you being in Hawaii now and you continuing to pet sit, do you have like an apartment you pay rent or you just jump around from house sitting to house sitting? Yeah, so we did go ahead and just get an apartment to just be able to, you know, get back on track and and be stable and know what we're doing. Um, But yeah, we do pet sit just as so when we pet sat while we were traveling, it was through trusted house sitters, which is the main platform I use. And I know the the friends that you just um, interviewed recently, that's what they use too. It's just really easy to use. Like, you know, it's really simple to go in and and do the searches and see the reviews and everything. Um, So we've always just used them. And had a good experience and that's a trade so you know you're going to stay at someone's house for free ideally somewhere that you want to visit and then they're getting a free pet sitter so what we've been doing here is we have an apartment and then when we pet sit here locally since we don't need a place to stay here we are charging like we set up you know typical like llc type business just to have kind of a little side gig with the pet sitting here mainly just so we could still be around pets but we did it free a few times and we were like it's not really the same thing when you know we have a house around the corner so we decided you know we'd be more comfortable having a fee for it while we're here sitting locally and then um, when we go to travel again we'll go use trusted house sitters and and do it as a trade because i do feel like that's fair in in that kind of circumstance yeah now when you got into the house sitting were you in america or were you off was your first sit out of the country our first sit was in utah and we our main goal initially was okay we lived in colorado for five years like let's stay in this kind of area that we're comfortable in while we do this new thing and and try to figure it out and that lasted about a month and a half i think and maybe two months because while we were in utah you know so joseph house sitters is international um you could go on there and just search there's places we have friends that have that's at in Africa and, you know, Asia, like all over the world. So it is really enticing once you get on there. But being brand new, we were like, okay, we're probably not going to have someone even accept us right away for some of this stuff. So we figured we'd just do a couple smaller ones. But I applied to one in Hawaii just without any, I think we had one review when I applied to that. And it was like 40 people applied and they ended up choosing us. Um, mainly, I think it was just you know, probably luck of the draw. And then they just liked our profile. Um, I think, you know, being a writer, I kind of knew what I should get in there. And I feel like our profile always was really successful. So once that happened, it was just like, okay, where else can we go? Like we made it to Hawaii. And then while we were in Hawaii, we booked one for that fall in Scotland. And we ended up staying in Europe for five months, came back, like saw some family, um, went to Hawaii again that summer and then did another five months in Europe the next year and then um, ended up in New Zealand the year after that. So yeah, it just, it definitely took off pretty quickly after we realized we could get international with it. Cause that was always the goal. We just thought it was going to take, 
you know, four or five months of really just heads down getting experience with it and building up our, our reviews on our profile. But um, it turned out a lot of people were more, more trustworthy off the bat than we thought that they'd be. We thought we'd need, you know, 15, 20 reviews before anybody was accepting us to these longer pet sits abroad. Yeah, I mean, and now you've cultivated a, a lot of uh, great information or curated a lot of great information about how to do this. You're basically an expert now, and trailingaway.com is, is where you give people that information. What are some things? It sounds like your profile makes a huge difference on trusted outsiders, and there's got to be some hacks that you've learned that you could maybe share with our audience on how to develop that persona that people are attracted to. Yeah, I think a lot of it, um, you know, when you're writing, you know, you think of who's reading the content, like, that's always the first thing that I think of is, okay, who's my reader for this article or whatever I'm working on. So it's the same thing with a profile when you're thinking, okay, if I were a homeowner, reading this, you know, if I'm just talking about how excited I am to travel, and I'm not talking about being responsible or caring about pets, like you're not going to do as well as somebody that's, you know, like, oh, I love pets, you know, I'm, you know, extremely, you know, responsible and capable of, you know, taking care of a home and, and keeping up with my responsibilities. If you don't have that kind of proof in there, too, then that's gonna be a red flag for people, I feel like. And even on the other side with being a pet sitter, like there's stuff that I'll read, on someone's profile, you know, where I can tell, okay, they're going to be really overbearing, and I'm going to have a 45 point list of, you know, what I'm supposed to do at this house every day. And like, that's not what I want to sign up for. So there's just certain things that you can tell. Um, So I think reading it from that perspective of the person that you're trying to reach is really important. And just, you know, with trusted house leaders, it's, 98% of the time, I'd say there's going to be some kind of pet or garden or something that you're just going to have to, you know, be responsible for that they're, that's why they're, they're doing it this way and not just leaving their home locked up while they're gone. So yeah, I think that that's really important to just keep that in mind when you're writing it. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like I mean, you're, yeah, getting a free place to stay, but there's an exchange that's required of you. And sometimes that could probably lead to a lot of extra work like caring for someone's garden, like I hate gardening. So have you encountered that? Is that kind of how it works that you know you're going to yeah, be staying for free, but not just having to walk the dog, but they might be wanting you to put like two hours in the garden per day or something like that? Um, usually it's, I mean, you can definitely see in the profile and I always make sure I do at least a phone call, ideally a video call with whoever we're going to be pet sitting for, especially there's been some we've taken kind of like, Oh, you know, we have a weekend and it's only a few days. If it's not great, like it's okay. You know, there's no red flags. It might just not be our ideal, but if it's longer than a few weeks, I really just like dig into the the listing and the photos and talk to the people and just ask a bunch of questions. Cause it's, I see it as a two way interview at any point I can say, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't want to do this. And I think that that's important for sitters to remember is that you really need to ask them questions too, to make sure that you're able to take on what they want you to, because it is unfair for them to, to say yes. And then, you know, you go over there and you kill all of their plants because you're like, yeah, I'm a great gardener and, and you're not. And that's one of those things where I'm like, I will do whatever you tell me to like watering wise, but I have no insights into like what this plant needs. I'm not going to just look at it and think, cool, this one needs water today. So stuff like that, where like, I'm just very honest about what I'm able to do. But a lot of times we've had pet sits where, 
it's just a cat. And the owners have been like, listen, the cat just needs to be fed. If you want to go away for like overnight somewhere, as long as you're back and feeding it once a day, I don't care. Like we've had people that are super relaxed and just, they just want to make sure it's okay while they're gone and no big deal. And then, you know, we've had farms where you're, you know, waking up and feeding 15 animals and then you've got to go clean things and stuff. And it's just what you want out of the experience. Like we like to do a farm one every so often just because it's a cool experience. We've never lived on farms. We grew up in cities. So, you know, it's a cool thing to do. We have friends that pets it with their children and they love to do farms because it gives their kids this like really unique opportunity to interact with animals and learn new skills and just a fun thing to do as a family. So they don't mind it, but that's just, you know, one of those things where if you have a full-time job and, and you need to sit there on the computer all day, you probably shouldn't take one where you're going to spend the first three hours of your day every day out in, you know, cleaning hooves or, or cleaning out barns and stuff like that. So in the experiences that you have had, have you found um, like a, a, the perfect kind of fit for you and your husband? Like, do you prefer cats? Do you prefer dogs, birds? I mean, is there something that you're seeking at this point? Um, yeah, cats are always kind of the easy go-to, especially, so it depends on what we're trying to do. If we're going to just sit at home and crank out work, um, because we have the blog, that's, you know, something that my husband and I do together. That was, you know, a big focus for both of us on a lot of our travels in addition to my freelance work. So if we're like, okay, we've been traveling a lot, we've got like 25 blog posts that we really want to get written about the places we've been, um, because we would really like pack in a lot when we would be in between sits just to make the most of that time. But um, yeah, if, if we have something like that where we're going to do a lot of work, we really don't mind having, you know, dogs to walk and that kind of stuff because it gets us out of the house between that work time. And, you know, we might take something more remote as long as they have good Wi-Fi just because we know we're not going to be really out exploring. But if we're going somewhere where we're like, oh, my gosh, we can't wait to see this city. We can't wait to get out and explore. Then cats are ideal because you're not worried about getting home every four hours to let a dog out or feed them or whatever. You know, a lot of times cats are, you feed them once, maybe twice a day and then you're good. And as I always clear that with the homeowner too, when I'm on a call, I'm like, how many hours are you comfortable with me not being at the house? Is it okay to leave for a full day and go explore? Um, we had one, our first international house sit in Scotland we took because the dogs were fine to come with us. They let us use their car, which is something that, you know, we do look for when we're traveling just to be able to have that ability to go see a little bit more and save the cost for ourselves by not having to rent a car. So she was like, yeah, pile the dogs in the car, take them wherever you want to go. They're great at hiking. And so we just went all around like the Scottish Highlands. Like we took them to Isle of Skye. Like we went everywhere with these dogs and they had a blast and we had fun and it was great. Like they were, they made the experience better because they were good company. So it's just, you know, feeling out the area and kind of deciding what we want out of it because we do love animals. And if it's something where the dog's a good pal to, to go have, you know, we love to hike. So we don't mind bringing them along. But yeah, if it's a city where we just want to go out like exploring all day, then cats are usually ideal. Um, it's I think we haven't ever had just a bird or so I know that there's ones like we've seen some listings about, you know, just a bird, but even that some people will think that that's easy. And you'll, you'll go and read it. And you're like, okay, I've got to do 17 things for this bird every day. You know, it just depends on the situation. So it's just important to, to really ask, you know, exactly what the routine is and, and what that'll look like for what you want to do with your time there too. Have you ever had any nightmare animals that you're like, Oh, this animal sucks. Oh, we haven't had any nightmares. Um, but I have, I have a whole chapter in, um, the book that I just wrote about our house sitting stories. Um, it's called home flexible, but I think it's chapter two or three, but we had a, um, 
a dog that was able to just go off leash in like the mountains of Colorado. So my husband was walking with him one like late afternoon and they came across a bear and the dog kept like charging the bear. And then he's like, okay, let's get out of here. Like, so they, they left and nothing bad happened. And then the dog like took off and left my husband and like my husband got lost because he was following the dog because the dog was the one that knew the trail. And it was like just a hot mess. And like, it was just one of those things where we just were naively kind of, following along with the normal routine that the homeowners did, but we weren't used to mountain life like that. You know, we didn't even think about all these predators that would be out there. And, and, you know, he was just leisurely walking on this trail, not really, you know, watching his back or anything when all this happened. So we realized, okay, we've really got to do a little bit more. I think that was only our like third or fourth house. So it just made us realize, okay, we've got to figure out like these situations, like what, what we're going to be comfortable doing. So that was just a good lesson early on to be a little, a little less just excited and really, you know, think of it realistically too, if it was going to be a good fit for our, our skill set and our safety and all of that. It sounds like you put a lot of effort into your blog trailing away and you just wrote a book, as you said, home flexible. Yeah. Um, does the blog generate money or is that just a passion project? Yeah. So it's kind of been a passion project. So it's, I would love to, to spend the, over the next year now that we're settled and I can kind of wrap my head around it, there's a lot of things that I want to do with it and just refocus on it. Um, there's a ton on there about our travels and everything and pet sitting tips and all of that kind of stuff. But um, it's I'm sure I can speak for a lot of people. It's hard when you have the paying gig that always is going to take precedence when you're trying to pay your bills. So it's been one of those things that it goes off and on with how much focus I'm putting into it. But it's always been we've had it for almost 10 years now. We started it when we lived in Colorado and we were doing a lot of hiking and that's where the trailing away comes from. We're like, okay, it'll just be a blog about our hikes that we go on. And then I think it was a couple years later, we decided to take off and it turned into kind of more of our path is kind of how we see it now. It's like we have this weird trail that we've we've followed that goes everywhere but um yeah it's something that's just fun to have an opportunity to share with others that's not just you know I feel like there's not a lot of context with social media it's nice to be able to really dive in and and share um some of the stuff we've done and and learned along the way so I do hope to continue that and to continue to grow it but yeah right now it, it pays for itself at least with with a little bit extra um so that's nice but yeah, it's not been something that could totally fund our travels again. But that's why that's one of the things while we're stationary, we really want to get the residual income to where it would at least pay our basic bills and then the freelance income, you know, because that's always something that could go away at any point with freelance. So I always try to keep that in mind and have multiple other things going at the same time. Yeah, I mean, that's a dream for so many people is getting to turn their blog or like even myself, this podcast into a, a money making machine. I mean, and having stuck with it for 10 years is a huge accomplishment you know, she says a lot about your commitment to this lifestyle and what you're writing about. Um, do you see any income coming in from the book, Home Flexible? Yeah, I just published it um, recently, only like a couple months ago now. So a little bit here and there. It's mainly in kind of the, um, you know, just promotional, like getting it out there. For me, that book was one that I... I was going to be okay if I didn't make anything off of it because I just had all these stories that were just living in my head that I thought, you know, like this is stuff that I want to be able to share. And just to be able to have a book, you know, with our stories and that I have on my shelf was like special to me and being able to, my parents don't 
do internet. <laughs> so they don't like, it's really rare if they read one of my blogs. So like just being able to hit, be able to give that to them. It's like, okay, you read books. Like you can read some of our stories that you've missed out on. Um, and a lot of those I didn't write about in the blog. Cause you know, a lot of blogging is specific to like, you know, things to do in this area or whatever. So I didn't dive into some of these silly, ridiculous stories that ended up happening during our pet sitting because I was so focused on sharing about the destinations that that was just kind of stuff living in my head. So that was just a fun thing to do. But um, I have another book that I wrote called Moving Away during the pandemic um, because I just a lot of I had written a few blogs about the topic because it's just kind of an emotional thing that it's, you know, a struggle to be far away from your family that you're close to and stuff, even though you have this desire to be away. Like I don't ever want to live in my hometown again, but I do miss people. So I've written a few blogs on that and it was always something that I got a ton of comments for. So I was like, well, I have a lot more I could say. So I wrote a book about that and that does, that does pretty well, you know, not anything crazy, but I usually get like, you know, around 50, I would say average $50 average a month for that, which is more than blog posts. So I'm, I'm happy with that. And this is these are both ebooks. Yeah, so available on Amazon, and they're both print too. So it's ebook or print. Oh wow! Okay, and you did you self publish though? Yeah, so with Amazon now you can self publish, and I was a little intimidated, but after doing the first one, I was like, okay, I could probably do one of these like every three months if I really wanted to. It's really, it's not that much different than you know publishing a blog, you know, and I edit so I can self edit mine, which they say you shouldn't do, but I do it anyways because I feel like I'm, I feel like I read it, my husband reads it, I get a couple other people, and I feel like it's good. Um, the good thing about you know if you could find your own publisher, they do a lot of the marketing and stuff. I think that would be really helpful, but it's just such a long you know drawn out thing when you can just pop it on Amazon yourself it just makes it you know feel a lot more satisfying that it hasn't taken a year to get this project up and and running I know some people that go the other route with having a publisher and I'm sure you know there's some different kinds of success there but I've also read a lot of I have a friend that does really really well with her Amazon books she's made like thousands of dollars with her books and um you know, I've, I've read too that you do make more money if your book's successful with Amazon because you're, you're not sharing that with a publisher. So I think it just kind of depends on, on the situation. But um, yeah, I definitely, for anybody that has an idea that they think would make a good book, I feel like it's something to at least try and, you know, it, maybe it sits there and nobody reads it, or maybe it makes you a little bit of money every month, but it's pretty much similar to blogging. You're just kind of putting information out there, not really sure what's going to happen with it, but um, yeah, that doesn't hurt. Do you know how many readers you have of your blog? Um, I have, we looked at our stats the other day. I, my husband does the stats stuff, so I'm probably going to be wrong, but I think we have, I want to say he either said I think it was like around 20,000 people coming a month, I think. It's amazing. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, I think I think it was around there. It was 15 or 20. Um so yeah, we've we've steadily grown it and just tried different things and you know, it's it's always changing. You never <laughs> really know what what you're doing wrong or right. I feel like with that kind of stuff with all the different algorithms that change and searches and stuff. But um, there's a couple of topics that I know that we do really well with like that moving away topic. I know we're always ranked really high on and um, we have a lot of content from when we were in Scotland and that always does really well. So yeah, there's just certain things that I do think consistently bring people to the blog and he's a really talented photographer and that's um, was his focus while we were traveling was to get some really good photos. So we have really beautiful photos. And then I think I do a good job explaining the area. So I think that that combination really has helped. Mm -hmm. 
you know, trailing away, home flexible, your book, moving away, your book. Um, do you have something that you'd like the audience to know about this lifestyle that haven't, we haven't really covered yet? Um, yeah, I think just I, for me, at least with, you know, trying to be a digital nomad and, and getting it all going, I really think a lot of people, you know, like when we did the RVing, we're like, okay, this is it. We're just going to RV. And that just didn't really work for us because we wanted the flexibility. That's what we are always craved. And by doing that, we took away the flexibility immediately without realizing it because you can't just leave a giant <laughs> metal box in a parking lot and go to Europe for a week. You know, you have to do all of these things to, to get it in a safe place and all of that. But um, I think it's just being willing to just adapt as much as possible and able to do that is like such a huge skill that I think you can definitely learn. It's not an easy thing to learn. It can be very, you know, frustrating at times, but just being open to trying different things. When we were in New Zealand, um, the goal initially was to pet sit and then those stopped because of the pandemic. And then things started after they did like their lockdown there, things started to come up again. So we did a few pet sits, but it wasn't enough to just live full time through pet sitting. And we did a few Airbnbs and that was expensive. So we started looking into other options and we did like farm stay trades for a while, which was a lot more work than the pet sitting because they're really wanting to get like, like through help X or that kind of thing. Like they're really wanting to get their, their fill of you being there and cause they feed you too with that. So it's a place to stay, a place to eat in the the agreement should be four hours of work, five days a week for staying and being fed and taking care of at their house. So we did that a few times. And that's something I thought I would never do because I, I had done a little bit of farm work, you know, with the pet sitting, but not to where they're really trying to work you and get like those four hours every day. So we did some crazy, we tried, we chopped down like trees one day and I thought that I was going to die. Like my body was not prepared for that, but just being willing to try it and say like, okay, maybe not that, but at least we have another thing in our back pocket that we know, okay, if like crap hits the fan again, like we know we could go look into this and do this and it wasn't that bad and it, you know, saved us money and we met some really cool people and had some interesting experiences and maybe we don't do the really manual labor ones ever again. But um, I think just being flexible and trying different things is really helpful in the digital nomad lifestyle, you know, with work too, like having different streams of income coming in because you just don't know what's going to happen when you're working online. So I think that's just really important to just diversify the lifestyle and your work as much as you can to just have those different options. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. If you could talk to one listener right now and give them some words of encouragement to take that leap of faith and, and give this type of lifestyle a go, what would you say? Yeah, I'd say definitely. I always say, you know, go for it. But I think being really realistic is really important. You know, I think we idealize the lifestyle and don't take into account that, you know, the bad stuff's still going to happen. You're still going to struggle. You know, if, if you can get on track to where you're not going to immediately be scrambling financially and scrambling to find a place to stay, you know, with the house sitting, like, you know, if, if someone's like, let's say the person I'm talking to is sitting, you know, wanting to do the house sitting, I think trying to line up enough house sit ahead of time. So, you know, okay, for the next six months, I have a place to stay. I don't have to pay for it. You know, I've got a little bit of freelance money coming in at least like getting that set up. So you're not immediately scrambling as soon as you hit the road, I think is such a good thing to do for your mental health and like for sustainability in this kind of lifestyle. Um, so you can just really have that time to, to figure it out and not be immediately stressed because there is a lot to figure out when you've never done it before. 
Well said, Brooke. Thank you for your time. Awesome. Thanks. Awesome, Brooke. Thank you so much for your time. That was fun chatting with you, getting to know more about you and your story. I wish you and your husband all the best. Folks, remember, if you want to support Misfits and Rejects, you can do that in one of two ways. You can do that via patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects, giving a monthly donation. Or as I indicated in the intro, you can just donate one time and then cancel your membership. The other way to do that is head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop, pick up a t-shirt. With the holidays coming, that might be a nice gift to give to yourself or somebody you love. And I just want to let you know, I do appreciate you coming here every week, listening to all the guests I bring on. I hope they are inspiring you to consider your life, your life situation. And if you're unhappy with it, make that change. As I've mentioned in my past episodes, I'm now transitioning towards a new chapter as I move to Mexico in the new year. As you've heard in many past episodes, I've done this many times. So fingers crossed, we'll see if I can make it work this time. But if not, it's all good because I'll keep trying. But thank you again for listening. I think you all are so very beautiful, and I'll see you in next week's episode. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that... Maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.